0: To be able to take it to that next level, that's what I'm excited about.
1: Throws over the middle, wide open for cross to five, he's in! Touchdown, Houston! Fires underneath, this is intercepted, back-to-back possessions with picks for this Texans
2: defense. Takeaway number three on the day. Game day is every day. Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. (laughs) Now, it's Texans All Access.
3: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a Friday edition of Texas All Access. A little less than 48 hours away from kickoff against the Denver Broncos at Mile High Stadium in Denver, Colorado. I don't know. Maybe it's Aurora. I think it's Denver. Either way, don't know all my Denver suburbs, but I do know Aurora for some reason. That's all I really know. I think there's an Englewood where... The Broncos practice, but either way, who cares? We care about the Texans, and that's what this show is, Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. And man, you talk about a jam-packed show on a Friday. Holy cow. We're here from Lovie Smith in just a little bit. We're going to hear from Kamu Grugier-Hill tonight. We are going to hear from Phil Maloney, who covers the Broncos like no other. We also have my keys to the game. We have in the lab. We have my predictions We have Houston Methodist Minutes. My goodness. We got a jam-packed show, so we got to go, baby. Let's go. Mark Vandermeer caught up with Lovey Smith today to talk about this matchup in week two with the Broncos.
1: Coach, being on the road for the first time, you're on the road in the preseason. What does it do for a team? I know you'd rather be at home with the fans behind you, but is it you against the world, and does that help galvanize the team
0: sometimes? Yeah, it does. You know, a few things that we get accomplished on the road. First of all, just sleep you know, rest. We've been grinding all week. Um, so you get a chance to bond a little bit together uh, that way on the plane. It's a little bit longer flight than we have. But after you get there and you get to the stadium, yes, you got to be on point with everything. We know it's going to be a hostile environment. Our communication has to be on par. You know, we pump in music and loud, you know, uh cheers and stuff to try to Simulated as best we can, but you have to be on point. The discipline really comes into play more than ever, and uh, you get the job done.
1: How about blocking their front and what they offer as far as pass rush goes and just being able to find some running lanes for your guys?
0: Well, that's something, and it doesn't matter who we play. I mean, Mm. we have to be able to run the football, and that run in the football is a commitment to the run that we have to make, and when you're playing against an outstanding front, but we're going to be saying that each week. Uh, outstanding front we're going to play against. That's definitely the case. Uh, You know, Gregory, of course, came back last week. They're loaded up front. But we have an excellent offensive line. And when you have two sides that are really good, they're looking forward to that challenge. I know offensive line is looking forward to that challenge.
1: I thought you brought up a great point about, well, Justin being out, but you're close enough to having played in the preseason where so many guys saw action, and yeah. it's relatively recent as opposed to week 12 when somebody might not have played since the beginning.
0: Yeah, you know, normally when, you, when you're when you started and playing, you don't have this many options of guys that have started games. Jimmy, Scott, Justin, all those guys have started and played. So, And we've been able to practice kind of, Preparing for this a little bit this week, so uh, we feel pretty good about our plan.
1: What about defending against their passing game? They like to throw to the running backs an awful lot. I noticed.
0: Yes, they do, but um, you know, as far as coverage is concerned, I mean, running back, wide eye tight end. We assume that they're going to be able to get the ball to all of them. And if you look at them in one game, and maybe based the coverage wise that that opponent was playing may tell them to throw it to their you know, running backs a little bit more. We have to cover the waterfront is what I'm saying as much as anything. And, and we would rather them dump the ball off than be getting chunk yards down the field.
1: We talk about communication on the road, hostile environment, loud and everything, different phases of the game, especially offense. What about special teams, though? How does it affect special teams? And how does Denver with the altitude possibly at all affect special teams, flight of the ball, hang time, that kind of
0: thing? Well, as far as, uh, we, yes, uh, you can kick longer field goals in Denver with that altitude. But besides that, it doesn't affect much. Besides that, it's just regular ball for us as mm. far as we're concerned. Played up there a few times. I know they and others would like to talk about how hard it is to breathe and all that, but I just don't feel like that's the case. We, we play multiple guys at a lot of positions, and um, they'll be playing under the same circumstances as we are, and we'll be ready to go.
1: Coach, thanks a lot.
3: Good luck. Anytime at all. All right. That's great stuff there with Mark Vandermeer and Lovey Smith. Speaking of Mark Vandermeer, he stays with me. Mark, how you feeling? Friday, about 48 hours, a little less than 48 hours out from Broncos v. Texans at Mile High. I thought,
1: I thought Lovey gave great perspective on an important dynamic of road trips that doesn't get discussed enough. Players and coaches get to sleep a little bit. You sleep on the bus, on the plane, mm-hmm. in the hotel a little bit. They meet. They're working. Right. But you don't have family distractions. You don't have babies crying or whatever the <laughs> heck you might have at home, right? Yeah. And, you know, what do we always say, right? The uh You know, if you check into the hotel with the team late afternoon, maybe you can grab a nap or something. It's great in that sense. Now, the downside is you got to go play in a stadium of 70,000 people who want to see you lose badly. Yes. But... Maybe you're better rested for it. <laughs> so yeah. it's a little advantage of being uh, at the home field disadvantage or the road field disadvantage to be able to get a little extra rest maybe as you travel. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting you brought that up. I'd never had a coach do that before for a road trip. They've talked about like us against the world and things like that, but not, hey, you know what? We get a little rest.
3: Which is interesting because last Sunday I was waiting for my postgame interview and I was back by the doors of the locker room and he coach. Lovey was walking out with with Omar and he was going to his press conference. And when the door opened, there was this throng of people just waiting for Lovey. And if you think about, okay, well, Miles coaches too. So Miles, I just seen Miles go out. So there's Miles. There's all of Miles, you know, family members. And then I saw probably three or four kids, and as soon as Lovey walked out, they started like hey hey hey. I mean, they started getting real excited. I don't know if they you know called him Grandpa or Pop or whatever they called him, but they just were all. And that's what you don't have on the road. Yeah, I mean, it's nice you know after a game if you win to have them there, but you do have that that us against the world sort of mentality. And it brings to mind something I actually read from Nick Saban today. I thought was very interesting uh, today or yesterday. He was talking about teams that he had had in Alabama, and it made me think about this going to Denver. And when you said seventy thousand people are against you he said, our best teams were when we had guys that wanted 100,000 people against them that they sort of would Mm. let down when they were playing at home and there were only 11 against them. He's like, we had great teams when those guys wanted the 100,000 against them. And that's what, it's not going to be 100,000, but 70,000 are going to be loud and proud out in Denver for sure. Oh, yeah. Against the Texans.
1: It's an interesting situation to bring up. You know, when I was at the University of Miami, the basketball team there was really good. Leonard Hamilton won a share of the Big East regular season title, went to the Sweet 16 the first year I was there. And they couldn't draw flies at home, right? Right, right? Those guys loved playing on the road. They loved going to Yukon and Syracuse and places like that because they would be packed houses, that and they all yeah. hated Miami like poison because they felt like, all right, we got the Hurricanes in the Big East at the time right. for the football money, but we don't want to see them do well in basketball. That just uh, They just happen to be here, right? Uh, but that would motivate the players. So, yeah, I think it's interesting what Sabin said. You know, sometimes that can be a real motivator.
3: And I think you find those guys that want that you go on the road. You just don't want the big letdown like, oh, we're at home. Okay, everybody's for us. Oh, yeah. da, 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 da. And then we've known players that I could think of one in particular that loved, seemingly loved, I think he loved more the big game than he loved the crowd being against him. That was Clowney. Clowny loved just... If it was a big game on the road, oh, man, he yeah. he would love those opportunities. Interesting. Like the Patriots in the playoffs. Like Philadelphia in 2018. Yeah. Oh, man. Jacksonville. He, Is he that a big almost, game? It's interesting that we can think of those games for Clowney, and then you think of all the other games like, man,
1: Where was he? What was he doing in those other well, games? Well, you know, he had banged up but problems. Yeah, and that, and, exactly. Yeah. we get off the point. Whatever. Point. One of the things I do remember, mm. I'll never forget this.
3: We went to 20 uh, 2018, went to Denver, last time we were there. It was after halftime, and I was on the sideline, and you and I were chatting, and then all of a sudden, J. Joe came by, and J. Joe had gotten hurt the week before. I can't remember what it was. He'd gotten banged up in the ankle or something like that, and I just just happened to ask him. I didn't ask him how he was doing health-wise. just, how was he doing? And so he kind of offered it up, and then he said, yeah, Clowney's playing with a grade two groin strain, and he's toughing it out. And I remember all that talk had been about Jadevian, like, oh, he doesn't play. You know, he's always banged up. This that. And he was playing with a really bad groin, and and playing a pretty decent game against. He had ended up having to sack a sack of Case Keenum, et cetera. And it wasn't that that changed my attitude. I never really had like a bad attitude about Clowney, or ever I ever looked down on him because I saw those dominant moments. But that's when I really thought, man, this guy is pretty tough. I mean, he's playing through oh, yeah. some stuff. Um, you know, there's no doubt he's played through some stuff, and he obviously had the injuries at the beginning. But it made me think about that because we are going to Denver, the the scene of the the last crime, if you will, 1917 win over the Broncos in 2018. Now the Broncos are in the AFC South with the Raiders and West. two teams West. What I say, South, South. Okay. Either way, they can come to the South. We too. got you. Yeah, that's good. Um, they're in the AFC West with it was a very intriguing division. They're in there with the Raiders, but also two teams we saw last night, the oh, yeah. Chargers. And the Chiefs, Chiefs end up getting the win at home, twenty-seven, twenty-four. Really fun football game to watch, and I bring up watching because the experience was it was different. It was a streaming episode for Amazon, and we're gonna have episode. seventeen of those episodes throughout the year. It's episodic. I mean, it's yeah. Thursday Night Football. Uh, Jeff Bezos was hanging out with Roger Goodell. It was streaming. You couldn't find it on, you know, your your local channels. You couldn't find it on whatever service you have. What was your gut reaction to watching that game last night?
1: Well, I know this is evolution and this is where the world is going, but I still think that watching a live event on a stream, it's not in its infancy, and it's probably a little older than toddlerhood, but it's not much beyond that. It's I don't even think it's quite in adolescence yet, Johnny. Yeah. It's going to get better and better. It's just not there yet. Because there are things that we're used to, and I can go a lot of different places with this, but there are things that we're used to watching a live sporting event on your traditional sort of DVR cable, I have Xfinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are things about that that we're used to that we take for granted. I can pause, I can rewind, fast forward with great ease. And I know you yes. can too on, mm-hmm. on your set. Yep. Uh, with Amazon, it was a little harder. Okay? Yeah, it's a little clunkier. If, if I tried to rewind, because a couple of times I did, I thought, all right, well, it was a little hard to get to exactly where I wanted to get. And then I wanted to not go live, but, you know, catch up to where I was. And that was tough to navigate through all that on my set anyway, on my platform. And I get it through the Xfinity cable and I order Amazon that way. And I thought the image I had was really good as a still image. Yeah, Yeah. I thought the fast motion stuff. Looked a little weird, but maybe it was just my internet and the neighborhood or whatever. Because I swear, my neighborhood, if everybody's online at the same time, it feels like we're all going through the same pipe. <laughs> but maybe that's just my imagination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but other than that, you know, I thought the innovations were really cool. You know, Al Michaels, Kirk Street, we could talk about them. They do a great job. But there were elements of watching a game on a streaming service that I didn't like. And I thought... I'd rather watch a game on ESPN, one of the major networks, whatever. But I thought they did a a good job last night because, you know, you pointed this out when we were talking off the air about how they had first NFL on radio, then NFL gets on TV, then cable in 1987. And we talked about that with the general last night. And this, the streaming NFL, and it's going to go on forever because you're going to have more and more of this. You know, eventually it'll all be this, but it's just not there yet.
3: And I appreciate Amazon with the different things they did. They had – I saw at some point early in the game. Now I'm always behind in a live game. I very rarely, other than our game, I very rarely will be okay. Game starts at 11 a.m. 11 a.m. I'm sitting in front. What? Mm-hmm. I mean, I might be doing something. I'm pausing. I'm always behind on the game because I feel like I'm not gonna. I, I can pause and I can always fast forward. Yeah. So I'm. Yeah. So I was behind probably 15, 20 minutes on the game, just getting food ready for for my Jack and and I and having dinner and all that. So I didn't get to the game. When I turned it on, it went live, and I'm like, oh. Immediately, I saw the score bug, and I was like, okay, I got to go back. Well, then I tried to go back, and it was just clunky. It was really hard. But one thing I noticed when I paused it, I was like, they got these four little blue boxes down below. Yeah. And so I saw somebody on Twitter say, hey, they've got their – I can't remember what they called it. They're like prime something.
1: Analytics or Yeah, I can't remember. It was called
3: something. It was like prime prime vision. That's what it's called, prime vision. And so you go down below, and you see four boxes. And one was Prime Vision. One was Dude Perfect. So Dude Perfect, for those that don't know, if you've got kids in the 10 to 12, yeah. I mean, they're basically like YouTubers. the sports version of Wiggles for, for tweens. <laughs> and I, I love watching them. I think they're great. Um, and I, I, I watch them. I, have, I mean, they've got millions of followers. Anyways, they were doing their thing on one channel as the game was going on. And then this Prime Vision popped up. And at times, they would show you all 22 shots. At times, you would just get the normal oh, you broadcast. Were drooling over that, and they, and they didn't show it much, but they did show it a few times. And so there were routes you could watch the routes develop, and then they had like this geo track tracking system where they would have the the they would have the little circle circles around the perimeter players, and they would say, "This is this is Mike Williams here. This is Gerald Everett here. This is Eckler here. DeAndre Carter." DeAndre Carter, <laughs> I'm happy for him, man. I really am. Sure. Anyways, then they would show like the drawing of that player running, like in yeah. real time.
1: In real time, and no you could see the
3: routes. Yep.
1: So it's like you're looking at a grease board, but you're seeing it. And you're like, like tracking oh. a golf shot when you watch PGA. Right. I mean, I don't know how many times
3: I've dripped. I've you know uh, I've drawn up mesh route. Well, you got a guy crossing, guy crossing, they cross, and then there's a guy that. That uh, circles up in the middle. That's a Doug Peterson delight. And I'm watching. I'm like, oh, it's mesh. And so you can see those things. And then they would geo track the defensive players, like where they started and kind of their path. Yep. And I just thought that was really cool. It was really neat to have that. And then they would give down below. They would have different you know, different statistics, statistics, and not just yes. this guy's running for five yards a carry or whatever. They would be, hey. Um, there was one that came up in the fourth quarter when Kansas City had the ball. They were up 24-17. There's 3.45 left. And they explained it. They said Kansas City's 91% win percentage Mm -hmm. is a result of the fact that they can run the clock out on this drive. And I thought, I've never heard anybody really talk about the math or how they get there with the math on that
1: or the reasoning behind it. But they did. They went with it. I thought, that's really interesting. Another thing That really caught my attention. I was on that channel, that screen, when they kicked the field goal to tie it, right? Instead of going for it on fourth down. Right. And said their win probability just went up eight percentage points or whatever it was. And I thought, okay, you know, that's interesting. I went back, They at least gave a basis. I don't know that I buy all that, but at least they gave a basis for how they get to their numbers. And I think there's something to be said for that, for sure. But I went back to the main channel. I went because it was distracting after a while but i'll tell you what else i don't like there's almost too
3: much going on you know
1: right i'm i'm all in on thursday night football watching a great game with the chargers and the chiefs however during commercials or maybe another time because i usually record those games so i can zip around if i need to i'll go check out the astros or something else that's on right you cannot channel surf while you're doing this effectively right because you've got to get out of the app and then get back into the app and it buffers and whatever. It doesn't happen automatically. It's not right. like watching Xfinity where I can just go to the channel guide. And, right. You know, Even if The Godfather was on another channel, which I've seen probably 47 times, I still might say, well, what scene are they on? Because right. I just want to see if I can spot Hyman Roth here <laughs> while they're doing the Clorox right. commercial and then I'll go back. You know, so I do stuff like that. That's how I watch TV and I think a lot of people are like me. So you don't do that with the Amazon I would even be willing to surf around within Amazon, but they don't make it that easy. So it's a different experience. I think it'll be fine. I wonder what the real conversations are this morning at Park Avenue at the NFL League offices. But look, they're getting over a billion dollars for this. So I guess this is here to stay. I felt like
3: it was generally positive. I feel like it was was generally positive. But here's the thing about scan, that I've gotten with my streaming service. I've gotten so bad with it. Well, it's, I'm not bad. I've I've gotten good with it, but it's bad the way I watch games because what I'll do – so last weekend before I went up to Sam to call that game, I was watching Alabama in Texas. And so with mine, as soon I, – if I go to the recording, so everything just goes to the cloud. So I go to the recording and I watch, I watch, I watch, I get to commercial or it's to a commercial. I immediately go – to the next game. I just go in the library and I go, what's the next game? South Carolina, Arkansas. Start watching that. Start fast-forwarding between plays. I get up to the most recent. I get up to live. Okay, let's then go, go back to Alabama, Texas. Well, you can't do that here. And it just it resumes from my last watch. It asked me, you want to resume from last watch? Yes. And then I play. Oh, that's cool. So then I get, I get live with both those games. I go to the third game. And I can literally watch three, almost four games in the time it takes to watch one. Just doing it that way. But I'm spoiled because I'm like, stop that. Just exit out of that. Go to the next game. And it just always asks me, resume from last watch? Yes, resume from last watch. And away I go. Amazon's not quite there with, with that one. It To me, it feels like it's got to be almost a truly second screen experience. Yeah. Where you've got to have a computer or some other other TV to watch so you can scan while the
1: game is going on. That's, that's kind of the way it feels to me. It, they'll improve it. They will innovate. They will get better. There's no question in my mind about all of
0: yeah, that. Yeah,
3: yeah,
1: Think about how far Thursday Night Football has oh, come. Oh, man. It just feels <sighs> like it would be nice if there were another option. Because I'm sure yeah. there were people last night who had trouble getting on the app, trouble yep. understanding what was really going on and they either missed the game or just didn't bother. They were like, after a while, I'm just giving up, and I'm going to watch something else. And By the way, Johnny, there was no college football last night. Correct. And college football finally abandoned the Thursday night, let's not compete with the NFL. Now is when you should be on. Now is when you should compete college football because there are a lot of people who feel left out in the rain with the app experience, and they'd rather or maybe not even rather, they might settle, if right, you will. Right. Oh, here's another game. Uh, you know, there are a lot of casual fans like that. I know it sounds yeah. ridiculous to people listening to this radio broadcast, but there are a lot of people who, eh, just another game. I'll just check this out. Oh, I forgot about the NFL, whatever. Or there will be blowouts. Right. And you might have an alternative, whatever the case may be. But I thought it was pretty cool. It was a good way to begin. And by the way, Herb Street is better than you think, people. He can do it I'm not. It's not like I'm a big Herb Street fan. I've compared it to be to, compared him to being the Bob Costas of uh, football. Mm-hmm. I used to say college football, but I guess now it's all football. Yeah, he's really good at his job. He is. You might not like him, but he's really good at his job. He's much more likable than Bob Costas, by the way. And he is. oh, by the way, you can be good talking about the NFL and college football. Yeah. Sign me. Oh, you mean it's like uh, you can't possibly understand the pro game yeah. if you're a college expert.
3: I'm just. Saying that I know somebody that tries to do that. That's me. Yeah, that's so, you. Yeah, so, so, and you called the Sam
1: game last weekend. I did. I called the Sam game last weekend. Who won that one?
3: Uh, Northern Arizona did. Sam's been struggling. I was talking to Tristan today about that. Tristan McCollum.
1: Whoa. No
3: touchdowns in the first two games. It's been tough. Ooh, it's that's tough. against Northern
1: Arizona.
3: <laughs> yeah, they lost ten three. They lost thirty one to nothing against A M. Ten to three. They haven't scored a touchdown. Johnny's
1: Johnny, Johnny Perry's struggling a little bit. So hopefully they get that going the right direction. All right. So the fact that They'll Northern get Arizona. Held them to three and put, and they held Northern Arizona to ten. The Aggies, I'm going to say only, I'm going to put that in air quotes, put up 31 against <laughs> right, them. Right, right, right. Oh, the then defense we, has got something. And then we saw what happened last week with the Aggies. Yeah, it's yeah. It's going to be interesting with the University of Miami. Who do you got, Johnny? Ooh, you going to pick that later on tonight? It's so funny because I'm actually looking at the schedule of games and mm-hmm. it's down the road. I.
3: Ain't going to a different quarterback. They're going to Max Johnson. I know. I think that's the right thing. Even though Haynes King is more talented, he's more everything than Max. I think Max needs to be in there to slow everything down and get them back on track. But you just went through a
1: whole preseason training camp scrimmaging all right do i mind. have to
3: remind you of 2017
1: week one against the jacksonville jaguars <laughs> you don't do have I have to remind you? you you don't have to remind me <laughs> halftime right, i didn't think all right, so. how about 2015 take your pick <laughs>
3: take your pick any of them just seem to happen way too often uh, that said mark appreciate it. all right we get back i'll give you my keys to the game over the denver broncos how do the texans get a win we'll discuss that next right here on texans
2: all access Texans Radio continues in a moment.
4: You know what having fun your way is really like? It's never-ending options and rewards at over 50 destinations nationwide. It's Caesars Rewards. Dine at Hell's Kitchen at Caesars Palace Las Vegas. Party the night away at Harrah's New Orleans. Or bet big on table games at Horseshoe Bossier City. With Caesars Rewards, you earn benefits for every way you play. Book your trip at Caesars.com and sign up for Caesars Rewards today. Must be 21 or older to gamble. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. 2-4700. 2-4700. 2-4-700.
2: Texans Radio is back.
3: There is nothing like a Friday night in the state of Texas. Got high school football going on. My man, Andre Ware, is calling Louisville and Florida State tonight on ESPN it's just football all the time and there ain't nothing wrong with that although my English teacher Ms. Phelan would be just sick to her stomach right now uh that I just used the word ain't but you're right Miss Phelan there isn't anything wrong with that so let's get hyped for Sunday as we get into my keys to the game against the Denver Broncos so get my music rolling and let's start right here with the Texans' defense going against the Broncos' offense. Last week against Seattle, Broncos' offense, I even though they fumbled twice at the one, I felt like they moved the ball pretty well. Now, I don't think the Seahawks' defense is all that in a bag of chips. That is not Legion of Boom. That is not Bobby Wagner and company. But still, the Broncos ran for 103 yards. They threw for 330, so they let Russ cook a little bit, 433 yards per game in just one game, they're fourth in the league at that, but they lost those two fumbles down on the one-yard line, and that cost them the ball game. Now, we know Russell Wilson, but the rest of the offense is pretty familiar, it's been around, it's a group that's been together for a couple of years at least the big star to me, obviously, Russell Wilson. But Javante Williams, at running back, I think is as good as it gets. We'll get to him in just a second. So let's get to my keys right here. Key number one, face the Broncos offense. Force him to the middle or force him left. I'm talking about Russell Wilson. Now, I would love to see Russell have to throw from a, a pocket that he has to look over everybody. There are a couple things going on with with Russell that I think the Texans could take advantage of. Number one, Russell does not like to throw the ball in the middle of the field. If you look at his his, uh, targets on Monday night against the Seattle Seahawks, they are all top of the numbers and out. So it's bootlegs. It's throwing the checkdowns. It's throwing deep balls outside the numbers. The deep ball, uh, you'll see on KPRC on Sunday, I did a deep ball telestrator on Russell Wilson, how good he is. The Texans have got to avoid that. they got to realize he doesn't like to throw the ball in the middle of the field. they got to take that, those outside routes away. Some outside leverage. Now, you can't just, well, I'm on the outside. I'm going to let him catch a you know, bang eight right down the seam. No, not that. But you've got to make it really difficult for him to throw the ball outside the numbers. You've got to force him into the middle. Now, the other aspect of this is the Seahawks did a great job of forcing him left. He does not like to go to his left. He can. He's a baseball player. He's thrown across his body. He's done different things. And he said, yeah, right, left, whatever. He's a quarterback on the move. But the numbers the last few years have shown that he does not like to go to his left. And he's not accurate when he's going to his left. So force him to throw in the middle. Force him to move to his left. Do not let him escape out to the right side. Have a plan as it pertains to the rush. Secondly, I mentioned Javante Williams. He's not Jonathan Taylor, but I'll be darned if this dude isn't close. This guy is all kinds of powerful, quick, explosive. He's got the full package to be a running back in this league. He just hasn't been able to run behind Quentin Nelson in that offensive line. Now, this, this Broncos offensive line is good. Blake Cushingberry at center. They'll miss Quinn Miners. He is out of this game, but that offensive line's good, not great. And the Texans did not stop the run. What they'll also do is get Javante Williams out in space. They threw him the ball I think 11 times. 11 times last week. He ended up getting 18 touches the majority of those coming through the air. So they get him out in space, that's trouble. You gotta bring your big boy pads to bring him down. And Petrie and OJO they love to hit. They don't always wrap up. This is a guy you gotta wrap on. You have to. You can't give him downhill running lanes, and you have to wrap up. Number three, and it kind of goes with key number one here. Russell, and really any quarterback, does not like pressure at his feet. But if you are hemming him in the pocket with your edge rushers, and now his eyes go down to look what's in front of him, he's already 5'10". So he's not seeing much. And if all of a sudden that interior pass pressure is getting in his face... He wants to spin out. Well, spin out, and your edge rushers are a little bit more up the field, but hemming him in at the same time. And there's a fine line with that. There is darting inside, there is going speed high, and then there is kind of meeting in the middle. And that's what you really want to do. You don't want to jump inside. You kind of want to almost bull rush, but to a point where you're getting that upfield shoulder, his right shoulder as he's throwing if you're coming from left side, well both ways but the interior pressure Malik Collins, Roy Lopez those are the guys uh, you know and then Michael Dwamport comes in Heinish, Booker if he's, if he's active those guys have got to push guard center guard right back into his face because if you're forcing him to throw in the middle and now that rush is coming in his face, boy you you're, could have some success But if he is able to escape out of the pocket, you're not getting interior pass rush pressure where he can move up and then out, you're going to have a long day. If you let him drop, rusher comes from his right side, gets too high, the pass rush inside isn't moving anywhere, and he darts in and out, and now he's out to the right running, you're in trouble. He won't run, he's running to throw. He'll run it when he has to, but he's running to throw. And he's... Basing that on, you're going to make a mistake because you're going to see him running and you're going to panic. Kind of like Houston linebackers did last week against Texas Tech, University of Houston. They saw Donovan Smith on fourth and 20 start to scramble and they're like, I got to go. And then Smith threw behind him for a first down and Tech ended up winning in overtime. You got to be smart about how you approach this. The rush has to be enveloping in the well, but the interior pass rush has got to be strong. They got to bolt, they got to move those three guys. Backwards. Dalton Reiser, not easy to do that against. Cushenberry, not easy to do that against. And Quinn Miners is not a guy that's easy to do that against. But he's going to be out. So, how do you move the interior pass pocket right in Russell's lap? Figure that out. Alright, let's flip it over to the other side. This defense for the Broncos is really good. 76 yards they allowed the Seahawks on the run game. Uh, They really shut down Rashad Penny for the most part. Passing yards, 177 they allowed. That's 6th in the league. They gave up 253 yards. It's only one game. That's fourth in the league, and they did have one fumble recovery. So they're minus one to T.O. margin after one game. The star in his defense, I would tell you, is Justin Simmons, but he has been put on IR. There are some names you know, one in particular, Cream Jackson. Cream had the game of all games the last time we played them in 2019. It was the first year in Denver, and he took every ounce of vitriol he had. That was a Kareem Jackson revenge game times three. Bradley Chubb on the edge, Randy Gregor on the edge, stout, fast, Randy Gregory, a little bit lighter, but quick as a cat. So how that matches up with Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory, we're going to get to that right here. Do the edges need help? And by the edges, I mean the tackles. Larry Tunsil and Titus Howard. Now, it's real easy for two very confident, excellent tackles to go, I got this, I'm good, go do what you got to do. But when do they need help? I think Laramie is a good matchup for either Randy Gregory or Bradley Chubb. I think the speed of Gregory, Laramie can, can cut that down. And I think the power and moves of Chubb, I think Laramie can defend those. Now, Titus, I think, could do a good job on both of them too. But I worry about Titus with the speed of Gregory a little bit. So maybe they need a running back or a tight end to help Titus with one of those two guys. But they both can't get help. And it can't be we're going to sit and double-team this guy and take a receiver or a tight end out of the formation. Out of the passing game. They've got to be able to chip. And get out. At least go be a factor in a passing game. But if the edges need help. They've got to give it to them. I felt like against the Colts. It was, it was a pretty good mix. They did a nice job of letting Laramie do his thing. And really the only time the Colts got back there. Once. Was EJ Speed. Where they blew the protection. And the other one was Davis held the ball a little bit long, and then Pei got a sack. And a little bit later, Pei ended up beating Titus one-on-one. He got a sack. Point being, they held up pretty well against Pei and Ngakwe. Gregory, Chubb, a little bit different mix, but they're going to have to hold up. If they need help, give it to them. Secondly, run at them. Sounds simple, right? Run right the bleep at them. It's a 3-4 defense. They're stout in the middle. DJ Jones, Draymond Jones, they're not guys that get easily moved. But run at them. I don't care if you go 21 personnel, 22 personnel, you get in the I formation and you let Hammerhead, Harrison just plow, just come downhill and hit. I don't think the Broncos linebackers are all that in a bag of chips. The front is good. But if you're going to go against their interior three and their two linebackers, I think you've got an opportunity to do some good things. Run right at them. I don't care if it's Damian Pierce, I don't care if it's all-day quarterback sneaks by Davis Mills, which is probably not going to be the case, but you get the point here, being hyperbolic, to let you know you got to run the ball. Move people off the ball. And run the ball with some effectiveness. And then when you get a lead in the fourth quarter, shove it right down their throat and end the game. Run at them. Number three, I mentioned there's no Justin Simmons. Now... We've talked about this in the past. I always like on this show to discuss who's in, who's out. And over the years, I remember one time against Kansas City Chiefs, they had a, an offensive lineman out. I think it was a center. I think it was Mitch Morris, actually, if I remember correctly. And Zach Fulton was going to play center. And I'm like, oh, Zach Fulton. You know, you got to take advantage of him. This guy's playing his first game. He's starting, et cetera, et cetera. Zach Fulton kicked you-know-what all night. And, of course, to a point where the Texans ended up going and grabbing Zach uh, a few years later. You have to take advantage of an absence. Now, Justin Simmons is just as important to the Broncos' defense as one Shaquille Leonard. Heard of him? Yes. Leonard drove everything for that Colts' defense. And for a long time in that game against the Colts, they were out of sorts. They weren't totally sure where to line up. Linebackers couldn't get them in the right spot. And the Texans took advantage of it to a degree. But they couldn't finish it. They have to finish and against the Broncos, without Justin Simmons, that puts Caden Stearns more than likely back at safety. Now, the other safety is Kareem Jackson. That's dude knows what he's doing. He's one of the smartest football players I've ever seen, one of the smartest guys I've ever known. He's a tremendous football player, but taking on a different role than what he has been doing when he was playing next to Justin and what he's doing now, That could you got to take advantage of that. Can you air one out? Can you use play action? You get somebody over the top and catch one of them or both of them screaming a line of scrimmage to stop the run. If you get the run game going, and all of a sudden you pop it in there and Damian Pierce has been you know, popping them and they're coming up to hit him, and boom, you hit something behind him. Justin Simmons is as smooth and elite an athlete as you're going to find. He plays the game back there so well. He covers extremely well. Does that mean you can get your tight ends involved in the passing game? You're bringing Stearns up to have to cover. What are the things that they're going to do To replace Justin Simmons. Attack that. Attack him. Attack them. And attack the sore spot of Simmons not being there. All right, those are your keys to the game Sunday against the Broncos. Remember, it's a 325 kick in Houston. 225 kicking off right there in Denver. So make sure you put that on your calendars. And don't show up at noon going, where's my game? You know, it's a 325 game here. So just make sure you got that on the docket. Coming up next... We're going to go in the lab with my man Drew Doherty to talk about this one against the Broncos. That's next on Texans All Access.
2: Texans All Access continues in a moment.
5: You've got a lot going on, so how do you find time to take care of you? At Houston Methodist, we work around your busy life. There's same-day primary care appointments, online scheduling to see our world-class specialists, access to all your records through MyChart, and video visits 24-7 if you need urgent care. Bringing you Houston Methodist's
0: expertise wherever, whenever you need it.
6: Visit HoustonMethodist.org to find the care you need at locations throughout Houston. Houston Methodist. Leading medicine. Leading medicine.
2: Back to the show that keeps you plugged in with the Houston Texans.
3: Oh yeah, baby! we talked a lot about the Broncos this evening. And for good reason, we play them on Sunday so let's talk about it i'm your host john harris football analyst silent reporter this is texans all access and this is in the lab with me and my partner drew doherty drew let's go
4: let's go get a win so with that in mind which is the bigger threat the denver run game or the denver pass catchers dp i thought had the best answer when i asked her this she said yes but which is the bigger threat out of those two? Because, dang it, yeah, they fumbled the ball two times, and that, those are egregious errors. But Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon combined to average better than five yards a carry. Yeah. And they both had, what, 800-plus yards last year? Yeah. I mean, that's that's a nasty, nasty combo. And And on top of that, Williams caught 11 passes the other night. Yeah. So, I
3: think Williams is, It, it you said run or pass, I think Williams is more the issue to me. I think Williams is the guy. That, yeah, I'm saying the run game yeah, versus e- the
4: pass catchers. E-
3: e- either way, because you can about poke, Judy. And those, right. Yeah. I think Judy down the field is very, um, oh boy. I worry about that, especially because Russell is so good throwing the ball down the field. So I do, ru- I do worry about that. But the way that Taylor was able to run the ball last week against the Texans. Now. I've heard a lot of talk about that, and Taylor did get 160 in the fourth quarter when it felt like the Texans' defense was starting to show some fatigue. That's when they really, and that's when they really started pounding Taylor. But he had had some success prior to that. Mm-hmm. Javante Williams is not Jonathan Taylor, but he's not far off. You're talking about Jonathan Taylor being like Wagyu steak. Javante Williams is a nice big old. What's that big? tomahawk steak Mm -hmm. that's what he is he's just a different kind of runner than taylor but he's just as dangerous and i think that denver offensive line has gotten better over the years Added quinn Miners, although he's banged up a little bit cushionberry at center has been very good since he got there in 20 Uh, and then garrett bowles went from being one of the most penalized players in the league to being one of the better left tackles in the league it just took a little while to kind of kind of grow through the system so i think williams behind those guys worries me because then russell puts the ball out he pulls it back linebackers are now at the line of scrimmage and now he can deliver in the middle of the field but if they have success slowing down the run game early then maybe the linebackers aren't as quick to fire they can then robot technique back into uh, phase and receivers laps and maybe take away some of those throws away you go but if javante starts rolling early Man, that play action becomes big, and then not only play action hit those digs and the curls and the deeper routes deeper intermediate routes, the deep routes become a factor too, because now you catch j o or Petrie hey man, I got to get up there in the run game, and all of a sudden they play action, and a guy you know goes up the seam and you 're tackling ghosts basically so I think it's Williams to me, maybe not Williams and Gordon together. I mean Melvins shown a little bit of age, mm-hmm. but I think it's Devontae Williams. That dude is as good as it gets. I really, really wanted us to take a look at him back in 2021. We had different needs, so there was no way we were going to get him because he went a second round, so we just never going to get our hands on him. But I think he's going to end up being a really, really good player for them. And I, he worries me a lot. Worries me more probably than anybody on that all Broncos offense.
4: Yeah, he, uh, he had 11 catches, like I said. And some people might say, oh, well, he only got like 60 yards. It's like, okay, well, uh, do you not like? It's a six yard reception. Do you not like six yards to carry? Right. Yeah. I mean, you're moving the chains. Right. You're moving. The, anyways. So yeah, that's that's a big, big, worry, concern, challenge for the Texans defense. Okay. On the flip side, over under, 15.5 touches, not carries necessarily touches, for Damian Pierce. Last week he had a eleven carries mm-hmm. and one catch, so he had twelve touches. Fifteen and a half. I think. I say the over on that. Yeah. You I would say, say over. Yeah. I, yeah.
3: You you. The number's pretty close, though. I mean, you still, I know a lot of people are, oh, <clears throat> heard what uh, Lovey said this week about, hey, he's going to get more touches, he's going to get more touches. Well, he gets, he gets one more run, that's 12. That's more, doesn't ultimately mean he's going to get 30 in a game. I still think this entire organization is, you know, look, everybody's excited about the rookies, but. They're still young guys. They're still getting accustomed to playing this game. We can't just throw them out there and expect them for 80 plays to know exactly what to do and do everything right for 80 plays. But I do feel like they will try to get Damian involved a little bit more. And I think the one way that they can do it is in the pass game. When the Broncos aren't having success running the ball, now they have in the past, they would just flip it out to Javante on screens. He's out in space. He's away from the big dudes inside, and now he's going one-on-one against linebackers or he's out in space against safeties and corners. And those are matchups he can win. Same thing, I think, for Damian, the fact that you can throw in the ball and have success throwing the ball, whether it's screen game, whether it's just out in the flat, check and release type stuff. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to do, you can get him the football out in space. So I think that might be the way they get him over 15 and a half is that it's more than one catch. It's two, three catches. It's an additional two, three um, carries as well. Now you're talking 15, 16, but I don't expect to see 20 plus. I don't mind it. If he gets rolling, if he gets rolling, he's got a hot hand and he is four, five, six yards a pop and he's really rolling. Okay. Then yeah, let's get to 2021. That's fine. And let's hope he's getting to 20 and 21 because the Texans are winning that football game on Sunday. All right, that concludes the first hour of Texas All-Access. To kick off our second hour, we've got Phil Maloney stopping by for Behind Enemy Sidelines and a little Kamu Groucher Hill, Drew's Dozen. That's next right here on Texas All-Access.
2: This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610.
3: Bruxel, a Mexican company with more than 10 years of experience creating financial technology, has everything you need to take care of your money, all within a single app an account in pesos, and an account in dollars. The card with the most benefits in something that seemed totally impossible up until now. Sending and receiving money from the United States to Mexico for completely free. Get your account in a few minutes on your cell phone at Bruxel.com and find out everything that Bruxel has for you and your money. Bruxel, celebrating 10 years ahead.
0: To be able to take it to that next level. That's what I'm excited about.
1: Throws over the middle, wide open across the five. He's in touchdown. Houston fires underneath. This is intercepted. Back to back possessions with picks for this Texas defense.
2: Takeaway number three on the day. Game day is every day. Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. <laughs> Now, it's Texans All Access, presented by Mattress Firm. T-G-I-F,
3: yes, thank God it's football, and Friday. Thank God it's a football Friday. I don't know, put as many F's in there as you want, but it is a football weekend. You got high school football tonight, you also got Louisville, Florida State, Listen, to my buddy Andre Ware on the call on ESPN. Then you got college games all day, Saturday, boy, that's fun. When we get on the road, just a peek behind a curtain, it's tough because we're in the air for however long, but we can watch games. I usually watch them on my phone up until we take off, then we get down, and when we land, first thing I look is, okay, what happened while I was in the air? These games finished. okay, what happened? By the time we get on the bus, watch games on the phone, we get in the hotel, I start putting stuff away, got a game on, I love it. Then we go out to dinner, wake up, go beat the Broncos. Now, again, the game is in the afternoon. Keep that in mind. 325 here, 225 there if you're going to be there. So, it's a little bit later. It's nice. You can sleep in a little bit. I like a little bit of sleep uh, on the road. I just don't know if I'm going to be able to in Denver. But either way, not going to worry about that. Just going to worry about getting a win. The Broncos are tough. Let's go behind enemy sidelines with DP City. She caught up with Phil Maloney, who covers the Broncos like no other. He's been there for a while. Nobody's going to know this team like phil does deepy take it away
5: we're going behind enemy sidelines this week with phil Milani, team reporter for the denver broncos he also hosts the broncos post game show have chatted with them several times over the years phil welcome in i know it's a short week for the broncos how have you recovered and uh, has the locker room recovered after that crazy monday night game
6: uh i think the locker room is recovered i'm not sure about the city though like uh <laughs> the talk radio around here everybody's uh going after new Broncos head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, his decision to go for a a 64 yarder uh, to try and beat the Seahawks on Monday night football. There was so much hype going into that game with Russell Wilson, making his return to Seattle. And, uh, you know, Russell Wilson just got this new giant contract. And so everybody thought for sure, put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands, but then out came Brandon McManus. Of course he missed a field goal. And, uh, Away we went. I mean, uh, it's been a sort of a crazy few days around here.
5: I'm sure that was probably a really long flight back to Denver for you guys. I saw a few days ago, Nathaniel Hackett discussed the decision to kick on fourth and five. Does the explanation provide any closure to the people watching, to the fans, to, to the players? How have they sort of moved on
6: from that? Well, the way he explained it was that he went and talked to the kicker before the drive started, said, OK, where do you think you can make it from? And he said, if you get to the 46-yard line, that'll be a 64-yarder. I can make it. And so away they went on the drive. They got exactly to the 46-yard line. It was fourth down and five. And so he had a decision to make. And he said, look, the kicker told him he can make it from there. So they went with that. That's what he said after the game. Then the next day, in his day after press conference, He said, you know, I thought about it more upon more reflection. I probably should have given it to Russ. And so he sort of said, hey, I made a mistake here, which DP, as you know, in the NFL head coaches rarely say, hey, I made a mistake there. So I think that fans appreciated him owning that a little bit and saying, hey, this was a learning moment. We're going to move forward from this. We're going to grow from this and uh, turn our attention to the Texans. And that's sort of uh, what, what the team has done.
5: Yeah, it doesn't change the outcome, but there is a little, you're right, because this week, Lovey Smith said he wishes he gave the rookie running back Damian Pierce more carries than he did on Sunday. And while everybody thought that that should be the case, I don't know, for some reason, hearing the head coach say that you think, okay, well, at least moving forward, things will change and it won't be like that in week two and beyond. All right, let me ask you about Russell Wilson. You know, he gets the comeback game out of the way early in week one. He's already gone to Seattle. How much does this offense, differ from what he was asked to do in Seattle? Is it similar? Is it different? How they really utilize the skill sets there?
6: They've been utilizing his skill set in a similar way to Seattle. They like to get him out of the pocket. They like to let him improvise a little bit. I think that, you know, when he gets out and they're, they're scrambling, they sort of say it creates that second play And uh, that makes it hard for the defense to work. And I think they've been trying to utilize that. But uh, differing from Seattle, I think that they want to be a little bit more of a high-powered offense. They want to throw the ball a little bit more and then also set up some play action. I I think that him and Nathaniel Hackett, they work very closely together. And I think they've developed sort of a mix of offensive philosophies with what Russell Wilson likes to do with what Nathaniel Hackett did when he was in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. They sort of have morphed those two things together and created this brand-new Broncos offense.
5: I mean, you mentioned the passing game. It's hard to ignore what the receivers were able to do in week one. Jerry Judy getting 100 yards, over 100 yards receiving, Cortland Sutton, and together they averaged just under 22 yards a catch. So between the two of them, is there a true number one receiver in denver we're gonna see that shift week to week with the with the broncos passing game
6: well jerry judy had the big touchdown against the seahawks he had a nice play that was a, a long play there first time for him in the end zone since 2020 all of last year he did not score a touchdown so Good to see that from the Broncos perspective with Judy, but I do think Cortland Sutton's that number one guy. Like all throughout training camp, whenever they needed like a play in these like situations they create, it was going to Cortland Sutton every time. So I do think that Sutton is that more dependable number one type of guy, but I expect Jerry Judy to get a lot of targets. KJ Handler, I think, only had one catch on Monday night, but I do expect him to get more targets. So I think they really have two premier targets that they like, but Corland Sutton is is I think that number one guy.
5: All right, how about the run game? You got Melvin Gordon there and Javante Williams. How do they fit together in the ground game and and how are they used?
6: Well, surprisingly, Javante Williams caught the ball eleven times, like on screen plays, dump offs. Uh that was a little bit higher than we were expecting. But uh I think Javante's that number one guy, but it's like a 1A, 1B situation here where Melvin Gordon's gonna get a lot of carries. Last year it was about 50-50. This year I expect Javante to get a little bit more, even though on Monday night, Melvin Gordon had more, more carries. So I think they complement each other well. is that guy who's just like tough to bring down. He breaks a bunch of tackles and he can go the distance, but Melvin Gordon's more of that hype. High- explosive kind of back i would think that you know he could take a, a handoff and go 80 yards you know or, or something like that he could break free and he's more of that veteran kind of guy but the the thing that happened to both of those guys is they fumbled at the goal line
5: i wasn't gonna bring it night. up you brought it up phil I, yeah i had
6: to bring it up i think <laughs> it was like the first time that had happened to a team since the 80s and i think on the it was one like,
5: yard line as well yeah.
6: Exactly. Exactly. So like, uh, right at, right at the one yard line, two fumbles in the same game. It's the first time since I think a replacement team during a strike season with the chiefs. <laughs> I mean, it just like that just does not happen, but right. of course it happened to the Broncos.
5: Yeah. Have they talked about it this week? I'm sure they've been bit, asked about it.
6: <laughs> there was some confusion on uh Javante Williams fumble where one of the offense alignment thought that it was a pass play and um Russell Wilson like audibled and he didn't hear it. And so he kind of dropped into a pass set to block and he like went back mm. into the into Javante Williams and that sort of caused a fumble. But I mean it was just uh the worst situation possible.
5: Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's switch gears. Let's talk about that defense because we saw this week that the secondary loses Justin Simmons, who goes on IR. So who steps up in his place and how is that loss going to impact the secondary?
6: I think it's a big loss just because Justin Simmons is one of those kind of guys who's just so dependable. He is on the field 100% of the defensive snaps every game. I think he hadn't missed a game in four years. So like uh, uh, to lose a guy like that, I think it's mostly going to affect communication. Just like he's a guy who's like on the back end. They're just making sure everybody's in the right spot. He's sort of like the captain of that defense. And so losing him hurts. Stepping into his role is a second year safety, Caden Stearns. He went to the University of Texas, a guy who played a little bit last year, but uh, haven't seen too much from him, so he's got some big shoes to fill there, and uh, it'll be interesting. There were some blowing assignments for that Broncos secondary against the Seahawks, led to uh, both of Seattle's touchdowns were on blowing coverages. So it, that's going to be an interesting area to watch because in the first half that defense struggled, gave up uh, 17 points to Geno Smith and, and the Seahawks. In the second half, though, it was like a completely different defense. They shut out the Seahawks. They only gave up 34 yards in the second half. And it it looked like whatever was the issue in the first half, they got fixed. But now they got to deal with Justin Simmons being out.
5: All right. Well, let's talk about the other safety, Kareem Jackson. We saw plenty of Kareem here as a Houston Texan. Started off as a cornerback. Uh, he was a, a player reporter in the locker room. He started KJAC TV here. I yep. think I still have my shirt somewhere. Now he's in year 13 and he's still going pretty strong over there. How has he gotten better? I mean, we saw him morph into that safety position role as he left Houston, but how have you seen him get better in that role since he arrived in Denver?
6: Well, the last time he played the Texans a couple of years ago, it was probably the game of his life. I mean, uh, he had that fumble return for a touchdown, had a big hit on uh, DeAndre Hopkins in that game. That was probably the best game he's ever played in his entire life, but kJ's just sort of like that veteran you know that the younger guys go to and ask him for tips and that kind of stuff and he he's still moving around as well as ever, still laying those big hits from that safety position and it was interesting he played his first couple of years here, and I think that he enjoyed it here last year. he was a free agent, he explored you know tested the waters, and ended up returning to Denver. I think Russell Wilson coming here had a big impact on that. He felt like maybe the Broncos had a chance to win, maybe make the playoffs this year. So he ended up coming back here. And he's just sort of that veteran presence that a lot of the young guys uh, look up to him and they just follow his lead on how do you carry yourself? How do you do this? How do you do that? He He's that guy uh, in the Broncos locker room.
5: I mean, I blocked out that that loss to Denver a few years ago. Thanks for bringing it up, Phil. Oops. And another guy that uh, we know well around here, Dom Capers, first head coach in Texans franchise history. I saw that he's got a new role with the Denver Broncos. What does he do for the team? And how does he help out there on staff?
6: He's like a a defensive uh, advisor type of a role where he, he's just, you know, been in the league for so long. And so he's just that guy who's, helping uh uh, this transition for the broncos coaching staff they've got this coaching staff has a lot of people in first-time roles like uh the defensive coordinator uh gerald Everett. it's the first time he's ever been a defensive coordinator the first time he's ever called defensive plays and so dom capers is here to just sort of help as a as a guider like just as, as this advisor who just to smooth things over and make things a little bit easier for everybody. In in general, the Broncos coaching staff all across the board has some really young coaches that sort of brought some energy into this building that had been missing uh, the last couple of years here. They, they're like completely paperless. Like when they showed up to the facility, like there was a huge mound of, all these like binders and highlighters and all this stuff like in the middle of this conference room and they're completely paperless so like they're just like this younger wave of coaches but what comes with that is a little bit of inexperience, a little bit of just not being familiar with every type of scenario that you could fall into dom is sort of here to just Mm. make that easier i don't think he's out there like scheming and making defensive game plans but he's just more of a hey my door always open if you need anything i'm here
5: very interesting very cool Yeah, to it see. is interesting all right well good stuff we got two first year head coaches facing each other on sunday when the texans head to denver first home game for the denver broncos bill thank you so much for your time looking forward to week two and appreciate the time
6: yeah most definitely thanks for having me on and uh looking forward to seeing you on sunday Phil, we appreciate you being on as well. Now, a guy's going to play a big
3: role on Sunday, especially going against this offensive line, going against Javante Williams, is
4: Kamu Grugier-Hill. It's Time for a little Drew's Dozen with our guy number 51. Drew? Drew's Dozen time. It's presented by Mustang Cat. Drew Doherty with linebacker Kamu Grugier-Hill. Mustang Cat, obviously, all about earth movers and whatnot. They rent that out and a whole lot of other things. So, with that in mind, it's the last time you remember digging something digging something
7: yeah probably back home in hawaii you know whenever we go to the beach it's been fun to dig holes in the sand or something at, at the beach but i mean i'm not haven't
4: spent much time digging yeah not much of a gardener or you haven't killed anybody you had to dig a grave no no, so no nothing good. like that it's yeah. good it's a positive yeah it's a good thing you haven't had to do that mm-hmm. okay uh well we talked to davis mills last week he kind of said the same things he was at the beach he dug something mm-hmm. you're a beach guy you yeah. go to the beach a Big lot beach guy. what's a typical day at the beach like for you what are you doing for me,
7: it's it's a whole day affair, right? We got all my friends. My whole family comes out. We're, you know, we're grilling. We're at the beach. We're playing spike ball. We're surfing, okay. snorkeling. My family's the type that we're there from sun sunrise to sunset, you know, so it's kind of it's a whole day thing. That's and a good day. Yeah, it's a good day. Though.
4: That's I mean, that's are there, is there a better day?
7: No, no, that's my ideal day. Yeah. You know, back home, that's my, that's one of my things I, I love to, um, I just look forward to those. Yeah. Just get home and, you know, we already know Saturday, we're at the beach all day.
4: Good stuff. What's the last movie you've seen that you liked? The last movie I saw actually was Elvis. Holy cow. Now, my main takeaway from that is, okay, we know Elvis Presley is kind of like he's the king. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows who he is. Pumped out all these hits. After seeing that, are you not amazed that that guy is not bigger because they didn't let him travel internationally and perform? I I was stunned by that. So
7: It's a funny story, actually. I went into it with a horrible attitude. My girlfriend wanted to watch it for, like, weeks. She's like, come on, let's watch this. I want to see it. I want to see it. And I was like, I don't care that much about Elvis. Like, if I'm being honest, I just don't want to see that much. So finally, I'm like, you know what? Let's go. Sit in the movie. I'm going to have a bad attitude. Halfway through, I'm like, this movie is amazing. And, you know, like you said, I mean, just the guy was I, I i respect, obviously, who he is as a person. Sure. And just everything a lot more after seeing that movie. So I'm i am glad I saw it.
4: Yeah, it's wild. I mean, I because I knew he was all that other stuff, but I didn't know that he hadn't gone around the world. Yep. And he like he they didn't let him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyhow. OK, when you go on a road trip, what are the beverages and the snacks that you got to have? Do you go on road trips ever? Like in the offseason. Oh, I thought you meant like during the season. No, no, no. no. I'm oh, talking about. Oh. I'm talking about like when you're driving somewhere okay. with, uh, with your girlfriend or yeah. with your buddies. You yeah, know, we do. Like, little, we do some road
7: trip. A yeah, bit. yeah. Chex Mix for okay, sure. Okay. Chex Mix. Chex Mix. Bananas. 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 I don't know what it is. I love. I, love I, I bananas. like bananas yeah.
4: too. That's just not yeah. a road trip road snack trip. that I would have. Yeah. But that's yours.
7: Chex Mix. Bananas. And got to drink something, don't you? Yeah. It's uh, body armor. Okay. For sure. Body armor. Body yeah. armor and wa- water. Might main too. I'm not like a big like. Juice soda guy, like I don't drink soda. Don't, I don't it. think I've drink soda in probably like ten years. Like it's like really, yeah. You I'm, don't need the caffeine. Not even the, the yeah. I just I'm just not a soda guy. Yeah.
4: Okay. Okay. Do you do you not drink anything caffeinated or?
7: I do. I actually, you know what? I have ventured a little more into some coffee this year. You know, okay. I, I haven't been a. I'm not a big coffee guy usually, but like this year, I've slowly started. to yeah. Get into the coffee game.
4: You're a young man. What? What? How old are you? Twenty eight. Yeah. I don't think I drink coffee till my mid thirties. Yeah. So yeah, you're.
7: So I think I'm, I'm. Everyone keeps telling me like, just hold off. Yeah, no, just don't do it. But, That's you know, fine. You're I'm, fine. I'm, sl- I'm starting to slowly get into it. So
4: nothing wrong with that. Nothing yeah. wrong with that at all. Okay. Since you brought up road trips and games, what is the perfect flight home? It's obviously after a win, mm-hmm. but what are you doing? Tell me what the perfect flight home involves entails with all that drinking, sleeping, up, talking. What do you do? How's it go? We're
7: talking about like on the, on the when
4: you flight back, the with flight the team. back. Yeah, with, with your buddies. Yeah, with your team.
7: Obviously, after a dominating win, right. right? We're watching some of the film. I think we're joking a little bit. Some of us playing cards. Food's going around. What are you eating? Whatever they got. Yeah, usually. Hopefully, it's and you're you just got. demolishing it, aren't demolishing. you? Yeah, yeah. And hopefully, it's not like a like a East Coast West Coast trip. Hopefully, it's like you know when we play Dallas, it's like 45 minutes. Like if, if we're being honest, that's ideal.
4: It's a short flight. Short flight. Yeah.
7: Let's get it over with. Let's let's go win. Let's go home and let's you know. Yeah, that's ideal.
4: That's because you've just played and you've gone through the ringer. I oh, mean, yeah. you play one of the hardest positions in in terms of physicality after a game. Yeah. yeah,
7: yeah. I think your body on the flight after a game is one of the get me off the plane. Get, get me going. Off the plane. Yeah.
4: Understand? I understand. What are your thoughts on boy bands? Backstreet Boys, In those those types. In, in what aspect? Like music? Yeah. Like their the music? Yeah, eh. yeah. Not really my not really my cup of tea. All right. Well, that in mind, if you had to form a boy band. Mm-hmm. And you're in it and you only have Texans teammates. Who else is in the boy band with you? Are we
7: singing? We're actually like creating a band or are you just saying like you're singing we're and you're creating a group of s- like
4: you're you're gonna have a group, you're gonna have to kind of dress alike. Okay. Who else is in there with you?
7: I think the LBs for sure. Okay. Right. We're just we're we're pretty tight here. So, you know, me, Kirko, okay, Jalen.
4: Yep. This is um, Christian Kirksey, yeah, uh, Neville Hewitt, Jalen Reeves Jaylen Maven. Reeves. Yeah how many are in the band it can vary you know so you can go it's kind of like an accordion you stretch yeah. go bigger
7: i think that you know those are going to be you know that, that's the main that's the main the band guys right okay okay and then we have you know kp in there he's 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 doing his creativeness with lights <laughs> i'm getting a little extra with this okay. but it's good you know, he's, he's working lights so all right and, you know we got Christian Harris and all those guys doing the rookie, all the other stuff. Yeah. You know the rookie duties. You know bringing us water and Gotcha. They're like and, the roadies. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. roadies. Yeah,
4: gotcha. Yeah. The rookies are the roadies. Fair enough. Have you started planning your Halloween costume yet?
7: I have not. My girlfriend's huge on this. She started planning this like last year. Yeah, and I'm like, there's so many ideas already. Yeah. You know she's she's already with watching the the movie. She's like, let's be Elvis and I'll be Priscilla. And I'm like, <laughs> that's Listen. good. That's good. I'm like, I don't think I can be Elvis. Like just. I wouldn't be a good. I don't think I'd be a good Elvis.
4: It's a costume. You you can put on a wig. You can put on one of those. I'm <laughs> guessing you're gonna put on the jumpsuit that Elvis era. We're
7: gonna get a little racial here, you know. But it's like it's like uh, can Elvis be? A, I don't think Elvis can be a black
4: Elvis. Oh, there no. There have been Asian Elvises. Elvises. There have yeah. Everyone has dressed up as Elvis. Okay. No, maybe maybe it transcends. I think anybody yeah. can. Anybody can dress up like okay, Elvis. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
7: Well, maybe I'll I'll be Elvis this year. Okay. All right.
4: I know my my wife is, I'm the same. I don't think about it, but my wife, it's a big deal. She's been planning. So we're dressing up as a family, not as Elvis, but we have a family costume that's coming up. So there you go. Yeah. What's the most uniquely Hawaiian thing that you've done lately? Because you went back to Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's stuff that you can't do in the States that you get to do in Hawaii. What is that? Surfing, probably okay. one of them. I think the culture is just
7: way different, right? Like, when you, when you walk into a Hawaiian house, like, if you walk in with shoes, like, if, if you if I, you came home with yeah. me, right, and you walked into my mom's house and your shoes were
4: on, she would panic. But you would not let that happen. You'd say, hey, man, you gotta say, Drew, you got to take off your I'm shoes. say I'm, like, loading yeah, from
7: the yeah. car or something, right? right? Like, it's just, it's, like, little things like that. Like, <laughs> shoes, no shoes in the house, right? <laughs> no shoes in the house. I think, you know, there's just, there's, like, no AC in Hawaii either no That's ac my mom has no ac in her house like oh it's just boy. windows are open everywhere uh-huh. like every, you know what i mean
4: but it's all, it's like always in the 70s and breezy always right? yeah. yeah so, so you, always, don't really need, you don't really need it but
7: yeah. you know just little things like that i yeah. think those are just it's just a culture
4: what would happen if, yeah, we're unpacking the car and you forget to tell me and I do walk in with my shoes in, on, on like, what, what's your mom going like, to do? The
7: loudest – my mom is very dramatic, too. Okay. So it would be, like, the loudest gasp you've ever heard. <laughs> and she would, like <laughs> – you'd have to immediately take <laughs> off your shoes. Like, she'd be
4: appalled. Okay. Yeah. All right. What would she – like, when you go home, what's – is there one dish, like, hey, mom, can we please make sure we're eating this? Or but does she just already know and she has it prepared? So that's
7: the thing, right? Like, Hawaii is so, like, diverse in every aspect. Like, there's no – it's a, we call it the melting pot of
4: yeah. Like it doesn't have to be a Hawaiian There's, dish. Like just your yeah, mom's just, your mom's yeah, favorite so dish that she makes. She, what she is
7: it? My mom's an amazing cook. That's yeah. the thing, right? And I and I feel bad for my girlfriend because she's always like <laughs> she's like I don't know how I'm going to keep up with this. She is just such a good cook, but like she knows like my favorites is like Korean barbecue, right? Korean oh, barbecue chicken, yeah, like yeah. kimchi, all that kind of stuff. So right. she she kills it with that. But she actually was been here this last week and she's been. Cooking up a storm. So it's been
4: it's been great. Oh man. Well that's probably why you had the eighteen tackles. Right? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. well fed, right? Exactly, yeah. right. Well, Kamu Gruje Hill, it's always fun to talk with you. Best of luck the rest of the season. Thanks so much for doing a Drew's. Awesome, Dose. man.
7: Thank you for having me.
4: Eighteen tackles last week for Camu Grugier Hill.
3: I would imagine the Broncos are gonna try and isolate him in coverage. The Colts tried to do that a little bit, had some success, then had some not so much success. So Camus a big key figure in this game on Sunday. Appreciate the time. He'll be back for Drew Doherty's final word in our last segment of the show. But we got a full slate of games. Minus Chiefs Chargers, which is a great game that Mark and I talked about last night on Amazon. But we got a bunch of others to talk about. I'll make my pick straight up and against the spread next, right here on Texas All Access.
2: More Texans Radio is on the way.
8: The Texans and Amogee Bank are proud to call Houston home and believe that small businesses are vital to the strength of our community. We've joined forces to create the Houston Texans Small Business Boost, presented by Amogee Bank. Do you know a small business who makes the community a better place? Nominate your favorite local business today, and they may win $5,000 cash. Special promotion from the Houston Texans, and exclusive opportunities from Amogee Bank. Find out more at HoustonTexans.com businessboost business boost. Amogee Bank, a division of Zion's Bank Corporation, N.A., member FDIC. N.A., member FDIC. N.A., member FDIC. N.A.
2: Texans Radio. The Drive continues.
3: Yeah, yeah, let's get it, baby. It's Friday night. Texans game on Sunday is less than 48 hours away. And that's not the only game. There are 14 other games going on in the NFL Sunday, Monday. do my Math, right? I think it's 14. Either way, let's pick them. I love doing predictions, but again, these are just for fun. Straight up and against the spread. I love talking the language, but this is not for gambling purposes, just, just for fun. It's like how, this is how I like to discuss games going around the NFL. So, hit my music, there it is, and let's get to it. Alright, you know we gotta start in the AFC South. The Colts with an 0 and one record. The Jaguars with an 0-1 record. I don't know what this says. Indianapolis is only a three point favorite on the road. Now, the Jaguars have rarely lost to the Colts in the recent past. Rarely. Including down in Duval County. Last year, the Jaguars came up with a Week 18 win and knocked the Colts out of the playoffs. I don't think that happens again. There is no Shaquille Leonard. Alec Pierce is out for the Colts as well, the rookie wide receiver from Cincinnati after the hit that Jalen Petrie put on him. So, they're without those two big players on either side. The Jags are coming back to Duval County. I think this is finally the year the Colts get over the top. But it surprised me the Jags won? No, but I think the Colts will run Jonathan Taylor all day long down in this, the heat, the just ugh, oppressive heat of Duval County, the humidity there. I'm going Colts to win that thing. 24-17. That will cover the three, give the Colts a win and a cover. I can't believe I just did that, but I did. Go Colts? Go Jags? I don't know. Maybe a tie? Ooh, that would be kind of nice. Colts are 0-0-2. And, and The Jags are 0 one one Either way, let's keep them out of the win column if we can. But Colts win that, and they cover. Let's go to Cleveland. And we have got our eyes on Cleveland all year. Cleveland's 1-0. Got a 58-yard field goal from rookie kicker Cade York last week to beat the Panthers. The Jets got housed by the Ravens. Jets are on one. Their pass coverage is pretty good. I think Jacoby Brissett will have a few issues, but Cleveland's favored by 6.5. The Jets will have Joe Flacco back under center, and that's not always a good thing. Zach Wilson has been back at practice, but he's not going to be ready to go. So, Browns cover the 6.5, get the win at home. The Commanders after a stirring come from behind victory over the Jaguars, are 1-0, and they travel to Detroit. It's a really interesting game from an NFL standpoint because both these teams are kind of teetering. I could see these teams being teams that could maybe get in the mix. The Lions are favored by one at home. They lost last week to Philadelphia 38-35. I think Detroit gets the win. I think Dan Campbell is tired of messing around with close games, not finishing in the end. I think this one the Lions finish. One point is pretty much a pick so I'm picking the Lions to beat the Commanders at home. Detroit's got to come out of that. Two games start this season at least 1-1. One and one. I think they will. they we'll move the Commanders to 1-1. One and one. Detroit wins and covers. NFC South. Brady and the Bucs taking on Jameis and the Saints. The Buccaneers have struggled with New Orleans typically. I don't think they do it here. I think Brady and the offense do enough. The Saints offense, Jameis has been banged up. Tampa Bay is favored by two and a half. Let's take Tampa Bay as a road favorite to cover that two and a half and get the win over the New Orleans Saints. The Panthers take on the G-Man. The G-Man get a great win last week, 21-20. Come from behind. Brian Dable goes for two. Saquon Barkley scores in the two-point conversion. Randy Bullock pushes a field goal left, and the Giants beat the Titans. The Panthers 0-1. They lost to the Browns in Cade York's 58-yard field goal. There were some moments with the Panthers. There were a lot of moments with the Giants. Giants are favored by two. I didn't think that was going to be the case. I think the Giants are better. They're coached better by Brian Dable. Their defense is better with wing Martindale. Mike Kafka is doing enough offensively, and I think he's going to get better and better as a play caller. I like the Giants mix a lot more than I thought I was going to. So I'm going to take the Giants to win this and get to 2-0, and and they'll cover that two-point spread over the Panthers at home. New England goes to Pittsburgh. And this one's confusing. New England is favored at Pittsburgh by two and a half. Yet the Patriots looked like, um, how do I say this on radio? They didn't look good last week at all. The Dolphins housed them. And I can sense here that the odds makers really aren't sure where to put that number. And the game's in Pittsburgh. Now, T.J. Watt's banged up. He's going to miss the next four to six weeks. Najee Harris is banged up. So I see it from that perspective. But I just don't see the Patriots being a good enough football team offensively to go in and beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. Low scoring. Take the under. New England Fair by 2.5. I'm going to go with the upset and the home underdog, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You doubted them in in, uh, Cincinnati and I picked against them in in Cincinnati. They showed me a little something. Mitch Trubisky showed me a little something. They're going to keep that mix on offense a little bit different. Now, they're going to have to live life without T.J. Watt, but I think they'll be able to frustrate the Patriots' offense. They scored seven points last week. Steelers win, and obviously we'll cover with a win. Steelers will go to 2-0. Oh. Dolphins taking on the Ravens. Last time we saw this game, Robert Hunt, guard for the Miami Dolphins, became a viral sensation. This week he's going to have to be a viral sensation for moving people off the line of scrimmage. This game is in Baltimore, where Baltimore's favored by three and a half. Dolphins look really good, especially defensively, against the Patriots. They brought a lot of seven, eight-man blitzes. Mac Jones couldn't handle it. You do that against Lamar, and he slips a, a gap, a seam. See, y'all. He gone. That could happen, and I think that's going to be the difference. I think Lamar's going to make a play here, and it's going to be a touchdown difference. So I'm going 24-17. Ravens beat up on the Dolphins in more on Sunday. Let's get to the afternoon games on Sunday. Obviously, Texans-Broncos, I don't pick those. I don't go against my heart and my head, but I do find it interesting that Denver is a 10-point favorite. I, I just... I've said it for a while now. I just don't get the Denver love. I just don't. Maybe I'll see it up close and personal and go, oh, man, I was wrong. I just I don't get it. I don't get it. So, either way, take it for what it is. Texans win, and if they win, they get a cover. So, let's go get that W. Now, out in L.A., two teams, one got housed, one ugh, last second loss to the New Orleans Saints. That's the Atlanta Falcons 0-1, taking on the Rams 0-1. The Rams are 10.8 favorites i think the rams bounce back i think the bills are that good i think the rams struggled and i think they'll still struggle so that 10 points is a little bit rich drake london going back out to his hometown had a big game last week against the saints i think he has another big game seeing him against Jalen Ramsey is going to be fun the falcons just don't have enough the rams get back on the get back on the bump as they say for pitchers they'll get back on the bump get a dub can they get inside that 10 man that's just mm, it's a bit much for me right now but you know what why not? Rams win and cover the 10 over the Atlanta Falcons. The Seahawks, after that big win over the Denver Broncos, take on the 49ers, a team that lost to Chicago 19-10 to in Chicago in a monsoon. Game takes place in San Francisco. It's a short week for Seattle, but it's the shortest trip they take all year going to Northern California. San Francisco's favored by 9.5. I think if the 49ers have anything, if Trey Lance has anything, he bounces back in this game, and they house the Seahawks. Ah, I should say house the Seahawks. I think they'll get the win, and that'll be enough. This is going to feel like 20-13. Uh, to 13. 49ers get the win, but the Seahawks are going to get the cover. They're going to get inside that 9.5. Bengals take it on the Cowboys. Oh, It was ugly for the Cowboys last week. What do they do offensively? They got too many injuries at too many key spots. Cincinnati's favored by a touchdown. I'm going with the Bengals to get the win on the road. But I'm going to give Dallas the cover. They're going to get inside that seven-point spread playing at home. They're going to play like their playoff lives and maybe the coaching lives are dependent on that result. So, Cowboys will hang in there. But the Bengals will eventually get that win. Say three points. That gives the Cowboys the cover, the Bengals the win. Cardinals taking on the
2: Raiders.
3: Both teams 0-1. Chiefs house the Cardinals, the Raiders – Lost to a very good L.A. Chargers squad. Game takes place out in Las Vegas. That's two in a row for the Raiders. The Cardinals go on the road, and I think this could get ugly for the Cardinals. That is just not a team that is in the left lane, cruising, going 85 miles an hour on I-10. That team is off on some side roads trying to avoid all the construction that's going on. Las Vegas is favored by five and a half. I think they cover that. I think they win that by 10. Let's go 30-20. to Raiders over the Cardinals. And then on Sunday night, It's Bears-Packers. Who doesn't love Bears-Packers? Come on, man. Well, the Bears don't and haven't because Aaron Rodgers has schooled them. Green Bay is a 10-point favorite at home. The Bears are coming off a win. They're going to be riding high, playing with house money. They had, I think, little thought they were going to be 1-0 at this point. And last year, Justin Fields did play okay Um, on Monday night. I think it was Sunday night. He played okay. He's gotten better, he's improved, but I don't know if it's enough. Packers are going to win and cover the 10. Let's go 24-13. Packers get the win. Then, there's two Monday night games. One featuring AFC South. The Titans going to the Bills. Bills win and cover the 10. I want to see them house the Titans. And then the Vikings taking on the Eagles. These are two pretty good teams that people weren't talking about. Eagles are favored by two. This is pretty close. I'm going to go with the Eagles at home. I like the Eagles this year. And A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts, that's going to be a good combination. Go with the Eagles to cover and beat the Vikings on Monday night. All right, there it is. Your prediction, shaping against the spread. We come back. We've got a little Kamu Grugier Hill with Drew Doherty's final word next right here in Texas Talks.
2: Stay tuned for more Texans Radio.
4: With our newest unlimited plan, everyone's welcome. Introducing Welcome Unlimited from Verizon for just $30 a line per month for four lines with auto pay plus taxes and fees. Our best priced unlimited plan ever. Did he say $30? Yep, $30 a line for the whole family. The network you want price you love switch to verizon today paper-free billing required unlimited 5g nationwide 4g lte in times of congestion your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic all smartphone lines on the account must be unwelcome unlimited and are eligible only for select promotions it includes domestic talk text and data usage only data roaming at 2g speeds De- only data roaming at 2g speeds De-
2: now back with more on texans radio
3: we're going final segment of this edition of texas all access from the texans radio studio i am john harris your host Football analyst, side the reporter, been your host. This is now my ninth year of doing this show, and I love the fact that we can stretch this out. Stretch your legs out a little bit from 6 to 8 in the evening. So, appreciate you guys being here with me, with us, and all the support uh, that you give. We're going to get to Drew Doherty's final word with Kamu grugier Hill in just a second. But, we are going to kick off this segment with a little Houston Methodist Minutes with Mark Vandermeer. Mark.
1: It's Houston Methodist Minutes with Dr. Taylor Brown of Houston Methodist. And today, doctor, we're talking about shoulders. What's the most common shoulder injury for maybe the weekend warrior athlete? Let's start there.
9: So the most common uh, injury for a weekend warrior athlete is probably going to be a rotator cuff strain. Uh, Probably not a tear, but really just a strain of the rotator cuff, which uh, they've overdone it. And most of those will actually heal up with a little bit of rest, rehab, and some anti-inflammatories.
1: The missus recently had shoulder surgery on a torn rotator cuff, and I guess it was an 80% tear. And they told her there are some major league pitchers out there that actually can pitch with a tear that's that bad, as long as it's in the right direction. What can you tell us about that?
9: Exactly. uh, A lot of high-level pitchers function well with a superior labral tear and a partial tear of the rotator cuff because they take their arms and shoulders into such positions that they, they almost have to have that tear to function At the level they do. Uh, And sometimes actually, if they repair it or do a surgery, it's hard for them to get back to throwing. And so part of that is a, a functional adaptation that allows them to do what they do.
1: That's interesting. Now, are tennis players in a similar situation with the way they serve and
9: such? you're correct. Uh, Tennis players, any sort of overhead athlete, you'll also see it with uh, competitive volleyball players as well.
1: What about athletes in all different sports? What are some of the other injuries you see related to the shoulder that might need surgery?
9: So uh, in our football players, we see a lot of shoulder separations. Most people with shoulder separations are treated successfully non-operatively, whereas most young contact athletes with a shoulder dislocation do far better with a surgery than they do without it.
1: Well, they make it sound so easy. Just pop that shoulder back in like Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon, a dated reference, no doubt. Doctor, thanks a lot for the information. We appreciate it.
9: You're welcome. Thank you for letting me join you.
1: Dr. Taylor Brown from Houston Methodist, the official health care provider of the Houston Texans, Houston Methodist Leading Medicine.
9: There we go. Big thanks to
3: Dr. Taylor Brown for stepping in with Mark Vandermeer and giving us the Houston Methodist Minute. Now, every single Friday, the last this is our last Texan show before the game kicks on Sunday. And a few years ago, I just started saying, Drew, you get the last word. You get the final word. You get the final word. I first got a last word, and I was like, I don't know if I like that. I like final word. Yeah, let's go with that. Drew Doherty's final word. So I give it to him. And this week, it's Kamu Grugier Hill. Now, you heard the Drew's dozen, and that kind of goes off the beaten path, as you heard. But when Drew Doherty stops to talk football with the guys... It's very, very good, and that's why I want it to be the last thing you hear as you get ready for the game against the Broncos.
4: Drew has got Kamu. Drew, let's go. It's good to see you, Kamu, and after an 18-tackle day, Mm -hmm. we got to start there. Are you a little bit sorer than normal? How do you feel physically after that happens? Because that's what you had, 18 tackles against the Colts. Yeah, you know, I think it was
7: more, you know, in the preseason, you get 19, 20 plays maybe, and then... To go to ninety two plays on the first on the first yeah. one in an overtime game. Division game too. I mean, it was we're feeling it for sure. But you know, we're bouncing back. We're doing the things we need to do. Get ready for this week.
4: Yeah, you say bouncing back. Ties, not fun. Nobody loves a tie. Mm-hmm. I know you guys always want to win. But Lovey Smith said it. Many others have said it. I think you probably even said it. There were positives to build on from mm-hmm. that game. What were some of those positives? What are what are you taking into week two, those positives? I think, you know, just
7: getting into a, a good start, right? We were up twenty to three. I think we were playing some good defense. I think we were playing some good offense for a majority of that game. I think the things we got built off of is just finishing now, right? Yep. You know, you get into those times it's it is times where you need to step on the gas, right? And and don't let you can't let a team come back like that. So building off those points of the game and, and just being able to finish games.
4: Yeah, I think anybody that's watched this team in training camp in the preseason Watched last year's team. This is a better team. How is the defense yeah. better in that regard? And after what you've seen in week one, how is the defense better? I think just everyone's a little more comfortable, right? I've said that multiple
7: times. I think uh, guys know where they're going. Guys are more bought in. Guys know where, you know, the weaknesses and the strengths of every defense and, and the calls and all that stuff. So, um, you know, just being able to grow on that, too, is, is going to be another step we need we need to hit.
4: Yeah. Looking ahead to the Broncos. Last week was a rugged ground mm-hmm. attack. But the Broncos, that's a tough, mm-hmm. salty group on the ground. What's the challenge there? Offensive line, the backs in the run
7: game for you? I think the backs run hard. Big offensive line, you know, and they're like uh, maulers across the board. And um, backs run hard. I think that's just uh, you know the main thing. And stopping the run game is, you know, I think that's the key to every week, right? Everyone always asks that, well, what's the key to this week? And um, I think it, in, in football, just 101 is stop the run. Yeah. And manage the big plays,
4: no doubt, okay, I looked it up, and with the Eagles, with the Dolphins now with the Texans, as a whole, you've played against a Russell Wilson quarterback mm-hmm. offense five times. Mm-hmm. What's the challenge with this guy yeah. as a quarterback? with him, the
7: play's never over, right? You can like I said this the other day is when you're playing pocket passers and you know things are sometimes on a timing, right? you cannot, you can kind of know when the play's about to be over or when he needs to get the ball out with Russ, the play's never over, and um, you got to play whistle to whistle. You got to plaster to your guys and just you got to cover everything.
4: You like playing at NRG Stadium, but you like going on the road as well. There's a little bit of kind of the us against the world, quote unquote, mentality. What do you like the most about hitting the road?
7: I like you know what you just said right there. I feel like going to a different stadium sometimes and getting booed at, and and you know just being in that hostile environment kind of brings the best out of out of some people. So um, being able to play in those those environments are, are, are fun.
4: And what do you know about Denver? You you played there. But uh-huh. it was during the pandemic, yeah. the 2020 seasons. Yeah. W- what are you looking forward to most?
7: I heard it's you know it's uh, it gets rowdy in there. You know the you know the way the stadium is built too. It's a little they're a little closer to you, so the fans can kind of talk to you a little more, and you know, it's loud, and um, it's gonna be their first home game, so it's gonna be it's gonna be fun.
3: Here's hoping Kamu is absolutely right that it is fun. The last time we went to Denver, fun trip, knocked them off week nine. Yeah, week nine of 2018. I do the math real fast because I was like, wait, we had a three game losing streak. Then we won how many in a row? That was six in a row. Remember, Demarius Thomas being with us one week after being traded from Denver, has to go back out to Denver to play Denver. Had a good game, got him involved early. You heard that on Texas matchup earlier in the week. We talked a lot about this game. I think one thing I haven't mentioned you know how many players uh, have played? In that game in 2018 for the Texans, two. You know how many position players? Zero. In fact, Kareem Jackson played for the Texans in that 2018 matchup, and he'll be playing for the Broncos on the other side. Yeah, it was John Weeks. It was Kymie Fairbairn. That's it. So, should be all kinds of exciting on Sunday against the Broncos. 325 kick here in Houston. 225 if you're out in Denver We will start our pregame radio show at 1225. We will then have the game call with Mark Andre and myself. And then Sean and Clint will take the postgame until dark 30 on Sunday evening. Hopefully breaking down the Texans' first win of the year. I don't know what I'm going to do if it's a tie. I don't think I'm going to lose my mind. But um, that would be kind of weird. What's your record? 0-0-2? Nah. No ties. Get the win this week against the Denver Broncos. That's going to do it. A big thanks to Kamu Grugier-Hill, Drew Doherty, D.P. Sidhu, Phil Milani, Mark Vandermeer, Lovey Smith, and all of you for listening. You guys are the very best. You're the reason we do this. And hopefully you will enjoy Sunday as much as we do out in Denver. We'll see you then, everybody. And as always, go Texans.
2: This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610.
8: The Houston Texans, Toro, and NOV have partnered with the Sam Houston Area Council of Boy Scouts of America to present Toro Takes the Bull Out of Bullying. Toro Takes the Bull Out of Bullying, presented by NOV, is an educational assembly about preventing bullying. This year, the Texans and NOV have created an anti-bullying patch for students in the Scout Reach program. Scouts who complete Toro's anti-bullying quiz on HoustonTexans.com will receive the patch. The Texans, NOV, and the Boy Scouts are proud to help stop bullying across Houston.